Good morning, Real Presence Radio. Were you supposed to bring that in? No, you are. Oh. <laughs> I am your co-host, <laughs> Father Craig Holkalter, pastor of the Church of St. Anne, along with Karen Zelensky, listening List- relations Snare. coordinator. Listener relations coordinator. I'll get it. I'm still working on your last relationship. <laughs> working on your last name still. <laughs> Karen, it's great to be back. Yes, it is. Um, celebrate the Feast of St. Paul on this day. We had a great hour. Yeah, we did. And even when, I say it every time, but even when I'm not real mm, encouraged by the topics, you know, just, I, you know, it'll be hard to get interviewed. They, the guests do so well. Jennifer Berry started us off, then Ben Vetter and, yeah. and Sean Lubkin and, um, and Jer- uh, Jeremy Lacqua from Dickinson. Uh, however, I am really excited about the next segment. We're going to go until 12 o'clock, and I don't care what <laughs> EWTN says. Okay. <laughs> they can kick us off because we're going past the hard breaks. Uh, we are here, uh, Karen, in the studio with two sisters. Uh, women consecrated to the church and to our Lord, spouses of Jesus Christ. And I want everybody to know they're wearing beautiful black and white habits, uh, full of joy. It's exuding when they walked in. I was moved by their joy. So to you, uh, Sister Lucia, Lucia Rose and Mother Chiara Therese, good morning to both of you. We're going to talk about anything and everything, but very relevant and just a few weeks into it. Uh, Sister Lucia, you have a name change. Yes. And you just made a profession of vows. No vicious. No vicious. This is great. Mother Kara will just whisper on it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that I'll hear and 100,000 other people will also uh-huh. hear your whispering. <laughs> Sister, tell us about the event. And then we're going to dive in. I'll bounce it back to Mother about your order, what you do, and um, the Lord will bless the interview. So tell us about the event. Yes. On January 6th, which is the Feast of the Epiphany, uh. um, I received the habit of the community and a new religious name and entered a period of religious formation called Novitiate. So my new religious name is Sister Lucia Rose for St. Lucy, who is a virgin martyr in the early church, and then Rose for Our Lady under the title of Mystical Rose. And before that, you were another name. What was your name prior to that? My baptismal name was Mary Grace. I understand. So it wasn't Sister Mary Grace, or it was Sister Mary Grace. Yes. <laughs> okay, so you entered as postulant, yes. Sister Mary Grace, and then you entered the novitiate, donned the habit, and now you're Sister Lucia Rose. Yes. Wonderful. How was the experience for you? Your family was there, friends? and. Yes. My family came from Minnesota, so my family was there, and it was a very, there was a lot of support from the community, a lot of... Um, people from Bismarck and just all around North Dakota came and uh, it is a very special ceremony for the sisters so I was wearing a a white gown and then the Bishop His Excellency Bishop David Kagan cut my hair in front of the congregation and I received the habit from his hands. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. (laughs) There, if the, I don't know, so if uh, we need to get this number straight for next show we could. Can we run some analytics, how many people are actually listening. <laughs> sure. So let's just say there's 50,000, right. it's a round number. Okay. 49,000 people are wondering right now, what order is this? What order is this? Mother Chiara, good morning to you. Good morning, Father. Can you, thank you for your time. I know it's good to a, a be busy here. life as mm-hmm. a, as a um, consecrated woman and devoted to Montessori education. But Mother, if you could please give us kind of your, your, your bedrock, what order is it? I know it, it, it is foundational, really, in its nature, in terms of being the first uh, group of religious women 
totally devoted to Montessori education. Tell us the name, its origin, how God uh, birthed it in your own heart, right? And uh, who you are. Sure. Well, we'll start um, <laughs> with Montessori's desire. So the name of the community is the Servants of the Children of Light. And this was um, the desire of Montessori herself. She, in the 1950s, wrote about how she as one person can only do so much to bring her order and diffuse, uh, pardon her, her method and diffuse it throughout the world. However, she said an order of religious sisters could do so much more. And so uh, her desire had never been realized anywhere in the world. And the Lord put it on our heart, uh, you know, here in Manda, North Dakota. And so the, the gift of this community for the world has, you know, it's just very, very uh, small, like a tiny mustard seed. It's really just starting. <laughs> and so I um, personally, myself, I'm from Bismarck, North Dakota, uh, graduated from St. Mary's High oh, School. Okay. And so that was, uh, you know, Catholic education has always been a gift in my life that my parents gave me. And uh, discerning a religious vocation uh, brought me to NDSU. Um, it was I, I graduated from there with the desire to give my whole heart to the Lord, which I did for a number of years. Spent some time in uh, formation in another community in Italy, um, in Turkey, at Our Lady's house in Ephesus. So this was, for me, an incredible experience. <laughs> and returning home, I felt that um, the Lord was calling me elsewhere as our community had disbanded. So I spent a lot of time discerning, and I really felt this um, desire kind of well up in my heart that the Lord was asking something of me but I really I didn't understand what that could be and I remember my spiritual director at the time he said well it would be really like premature or even immature discernment to just push it aside and and not give it any more thought and so I kept it in my heart it's probably four or five years it just kept welling up until one day um, I was hired to work at Christ the King um, Church in Manda North Dakota and there, um, I was exposed to the Montessori method for the first time because it was part of my job to work in the school. And we were just converting over to the method. And so I, I felt this spark inside of me like, oh, maybe this is what the Lord is asking of me. And very ironically, in a sense, there were uh, myself, a priest, and a lay couple. We were all discerning something. This We were all receiving the charism at the same time. And it was so beautiful, each of us in our own proper vocation, in our own proper mm. work at the time time. And so we did present this to Bishop Kagan after about four or five years of prayer, you know, personal prayer. Um, and so a long story short, he had us discern with him for a whole entire year, <coughs> very prudently, of course, our bishop. And thereafter, in October, October 1st of 2020, so the Feast of St. Therese, we were established as a public association for the Christian faithful um, in the Diocese of Bismarck. Uh, sisters of the Children of Light. Servants of the Servants children. of the Children mm -hmm. of Light. Yeah. Uh, Mother Chiara, I think it's amazing that that was the first time you were exposed to Montessori. Correct. And mm -hmm. the Lord just lit that yes. in your heart. Mm -hmm. Now I assume, and if you could share with us, you must have been then, unapprudent, but a, a real uh, zealous, um, you probably taught yourself, you had to go to... Con uh, how did you learn the method so quickly mm -hmm. now to be a part of it and you're a teacher, you're you're a, a woman religious devoted right. to it. Yeah, I do think it, you know, it's the, the grace of the charism, the founding charism that the Lord gives to us. Uh, I did spend some time at a Montes Catholic Montessori school um, in Portland, Oregon, and it's run by the Franciscan Sisters of the Eucharist, so I was really exposed to the method there, uh, in particular the religious method of Montessori education. Uh, and I've, I've recently... Um, 
I also spent some time with AMI Montessori training, so I've gone through the course of training uh, that's necessary to be able to really fully understand the method, as well as working the past eight years with the children in the school. Sister Lucia, uh, mother shared beautifully uh, and piously her encounter with the method. What is yours? I first started uh, working in a Montessori school after I graduated from the University of Mary in 2020, and I had studied education there, and so I went back to the Twin Cities in Minnesota, where I'm from originally, and got a job at a Catholic Montessori school mm. in Excelsior, Minnesota, St. John the Baptist. Mm. And it was really through working at the school with the children. I worked with three to six-year-olds in their classroom environment that I fell in love with the method mm -hmm. and the respect it shows to the child and just the beauty of the whole method of educating the person that Montessori education really allows. Sister, at that at the University of Mary, did you come and did you, you received, you achieved a degree in education or were you off that degree? You I graduated with a degree in university studies with okay. an emphasis in education. Okay. Did you have in your heart you wanted to be t a teacher, uh, kind of your uh, teacher in a classroom, or was it a, a dip prior to the vocation? What I did had you want to do uh, professionally? I had certainly considered working in education, but it was really when I encountered Montessori education that I recognized my place within the world of education. We're speaking with uh, Sister Lucia Rose and Mother Chiara Torres. Um, Mother, you'd be considered the foundress uh, of well. the servants of the Children of Light. And um, just to, uh, we, uh, Catholic, it's important that we get words right. We mm -hmm. want to be good English teachers, mm -hmm. and words matter. Uh, our Lord would have been the model of that. Uh, welcome to the show. It's great to learn more about it, to give kind of give the outline as we go through these breaks ahead. I want to be kind of incremental with learning more about it. And Karen, you're going to have to cut me off and get my attention because I'm going <laughs> to go full force ahead. Uh, okay. I want to know from both of you, Mother, uh, maybe beginning with you, what do you find most attractive, um, right, most most uh, transformative about the Montessori method? What What pulls you in? You know, Father, a number of things pull me in. I think we need to go back to Maria's Catholic roots because she was really mm. um, a staunch Catholic. And so here in America, oftentimes that's kind of left to the wayside or not really well known. And I think if we really realize how Catholic she was and how her method is imbued with Catholic anthropology, the way that we respect and treat the child, um, the way that we educate the child, the way we allow Christ to educate the child through us, even her preparation of the adult, she, sp she speaks of how we as educators in the Montessori method have to root out pride and anger and impatience. And she even goes so far to say as the Montessori educator must be a saint and a scientist. <laughs> I like that. That, that is beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Saint and a scientist. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. I, we want to end there before yeah. we go to the soft break because uh, we're just seconds away. Uh, Mother Chiara Therese and Sister Lucia Rose. Um, sisters that belong to the Servants of the Children of Light out of Manda, North Dakota at Christ the King School. We'll be right back. Karen Zelensky and Father Craig Holkalter, pastor of the Church of St. Anne. Uh, much more to come on this beautiful religious order. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Di Filippis of St. Luke Productions. Celebrating Sunday. Christians are Sunday people. What does that mean? Before we ask ourselves how we observe Sunday, we have to consider what we Christians actually celebrate on Sunday. The real and first reason for celebrating Sunday lies in the fact that on this day Christ rose from the dead. For the first time, someone returns from the dead and will not die again. But Jesus did not pass quickly into heaven. He did not simply shed time as one might shed a worn-out garment. On the contrary, he remains with us. The Feast of Sunday is therefore, above all, a profession of faith in the resurrection. Very early in the history of the Church, Christians asked themselves, why did the Lord choose this day? According to Jewish reckoning, Sunday was the first day of the week. It was therefore the day on which God created the world. It was the day on which God ended his rest and spoke, let there be light. Sunday is the first day of the week, the day of creation. That means then that Sunday is also the day on which we give thanks for creation. Creation has been given us by God as our living space, as the scene of our labor and our leisure in which we find both the necessities and the superfluities of life, the beauty of images and sounds which we need precisely as much as we need food and clothing. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join in the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter, and be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning, January 25th. I said January. I know. I'm proud of you. The 25th day in the (laughs) month of January. We don't want to rush things. The year of our Lord, 2024. (laughs) Karen Selensky and I, along with Sister Lucia Rose and Mother Chiara Therese of the Servants of the Children of Light. They are the first religious order in the world. And I'm going to go back to that phrase, religious order, Karen, in just a minute. But to all of our listeners... Uh, it's the first group of consecrated women completely founded upon the charism of Montessori education. Correct, Mother? That is correct, Father. Yes, Catholic Montessori education is our distinction. Catholic mm-hmm. Montessori education. And just when we went to that short break, Karen, it is important for the sake of its good Catholic catechesis, I think, mm-hmm. that our listeners would know and you and I would know. Uh, the steps involved in the formation and the erection of a religious order. And so the proper title is um, a public association of the faithful. Correct. A public association of the Christian faithful for women. Uh, We were erected as such in view of becoming a religious order uh, one day, a religious institute. Can you in brief 
Mother, speak to our listeners about that process. Sure. So uh, the discretion is always up to the diocesan bishop, of course. And you could either be erected as a private association of the faithful or a public association of the faithful. Uh, bishop Kagan chose to erect us as a public association of the faithful. And this is also important uh, as, it, as it allows us to profess the evangelical councils, poverty, chastity, and obedience in public, where hence the name public association. And it, it was erected in view of becoming a religious order, so that's also a very important distinction. Not just any public association of the faithful. And then the next step, of course, is to be a diocesan rite. And this comes after many years of the public association being tried, um, you know, the, ho the Holy Spirit at work. Also, there needs to be a congruent number of sisters. I don't remember the exact number, but I believe it's around 40, with, I believe, at least half of them in final vows. So that will take a number of years. Uh, after a diocesan rite, um, a religious community can then apply to become pontifical rite, so then you would be under the, um, the auspice, so to speak, of the Pope. Mother Chiara, can you tell us, uh, I want, we will get back to Monster Education, and, and Sister Lucia, maybe you can speak with us kind of your, your, in brief your lived experience. I'm not asking for a vocation story on, on this. We'll have you back, because I, th I think it'd be gripping. But for the sake of today's interview, and we want to get back to the school, um, Mother Kara, could you speak to the woman right now who thinks about uh, thinks about thinking about being a religious sister? Oh, yeah. So they're not discerning. Yes, yes. Right? They're kind of like if if right if they're um, if they're going to the I don't know Pacific Ocean, they're somewhere in like Utah, right? They're mm -hmm. not quite at the point of of ready for discernment, but offer some guidance because we believe i believe every day because i pray and being friends of certain uh religious sisters that jesus is still calling and naming women to enter right and to become uh one with him and to be exclusive with him but how does a woman know that yes well that always is you know is the burning question <laughs> father <laughs> um a answer yeah <laughs> So, you know, a lot of, a lot of, there's this, always this desire to know. I mean, I encounter women that they're, you know, they're almost like pounding their fists on the table. I want to know what the Lord wants of me. You know, it's like immediate. But, you know, he works through the small things. And I, and I notice that more and more, even in my own life. It's, it's through the tiny uh, happenings of everyday life that the Lord speaks to, to a soul, you know. And it's so unique and different for every soul because he loves us you know, in such a, such a profound way. And he really will draw us in the way he knows that um, we need to be drawn to him. So some things I always recommend, of course, is, you know, a, a consistent prayer life. It's very important. How can you hear the voice of the Lord if you don't spend time with him and get to know him as, um, as your Lord and Savior, but also, you know, as a friend, you talk to him. I also really recommend, um, you know, the reception of the sacraments with frequent confession, going to Mass um, daily if it's possible. I've also found really helpful if a woman is engaged in spiritual direction. And so this also helps them to understand more fully what the Lord may be asking of them. Because it, it's kind of like I, I'm hoping <laughs> that I'm following the voice of the Lord, but having that direction there is, is really um, essential. And there's also different uh, resources available for women. I know Sister Lucia Rose had read a few different books that were very helpful for her and her discernment process. But I really think it, it's just... Um, 
you know, really allowing the Lord to speak to your heart because every soul just needs to be loved by Him. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it's it's more, it's just a story of love, really. It really is. You know, it's like the beloved. I think of like, um, was it St. John Vianney who, who's like, I look at Him and He looks at me. You know, just being with Him in front of the tabernacle. So mm-hmm. you're beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. It's, it's touching the way you speak. Yeah. And um, your words carry meaning. Um, mm-hmm. And so that alone, I hope today the Lord can touch mm-hmm. the, you know, the soul of a, a woman mm-hmm. through this time on the radio, um, as Pauline as I think it is, going to the Gentiles uh, through the airwaves. I want to know these books, Sister Lucia. Can you share with us? Uh, I want to know them. Maybe I'll read them. I'm, cons- I'm convicted, and I, I love my vocation, but... And I'm assured in yes. it. <laughs> but for the women out there that want to do, right, if in our first interview we talked about doing things, and it's more important probably in vocation to be. Uh, that's another topic for next time. But talk about uh, the books. What were they? Yes. One of the books I found very helpful is called Discerning Religious Life by Mother Claire Mathias. She's the mother superior of the Franciscan Sisters of the Renewal. And she just has a really clear simple and very real overview of what discernment looks like for women how to look for a community how just how to encounter or how to uh, deal with different fears that arise Uh, so it's super practical and i i found it to be very helpful when i was discerning and then the second one you can write that down when you're i want to know i probably want to read the book so yes what was the second one well there was a there was a book my pastor gave me when i was um probably 17 um it's called come and follow me and i don't remember who the author was of the book but it's a it's an older an older book but it was also a really beautiful and helpful book for me as i was just starting to discern religious life and consider a vocation now sister lucia what uh what have you found how long have you been a part of the order so when you were in postulancy how, how long was that Yes, postulancy for me was seven months. So the church asks for at least six months of postulancy. And then you'll be in the canonical novitiate for a year? Yes. So I just started a period of canonical novitiate, which is a time of prayer and study within the convent. And so that will last for a year. And then after canonical novitiate is a year of apostolic novitiate, which is a gradual re-entry back into the apostolate of the community. And then after that, God willing, I would profess simple vows or first vows. Uh, sister, so some total would be eight months here with the community. Is my math right? <laughs> yes. Tell, tell us about it. I mean, tell us some kind of a first impressions. How has it been? <laughs> right. I mean, this is, it's, um, it's overused, the word is. And I'm trying to think of a better word than countercultural. It is. It's truly countercultural. But give us more to hang on to, you know, to our listeners. What has your experience been like? Yes, it's been very beautiful. It's. I think I've been discerning a vocation very, very long time. So it's it's being able to enter into the vocation. I think there's been a lot of freedom there in being able to live what the Lord's asking. And so um, I think for me, just being able to encounter a deeper interior freedom as I enter more fully into the vocation that, that Jesus is asking, um, it's definitely an adjustment. There's a lot of things to get used to, many things to learn, lots of mistakes to be made. but. It's been really beautiful and yeah. really grateful for it you this just, time. You just gave me the idea of a really good interview. People get nervous on the radio. <laughs> uh, I don't mean to somehow acclaim myself that like a champion of interior freedom, <laughs> mm-hmm. but people are interior constrained. 
So they don't interview well. They're nervous. How do I sound? How do I look? Right? So they're not interiorly free. And so it's really interesting that you spoke about that, Sister Lucio, because it's a very abstract notion, but it's so practical in life that when you're interiorly free, there's a lot of skills you can habituate and be good at, namely on the radio, right? So I, I don't have that constraint because I feel like inside I'm free and I'm not really so concerned. I probably should be because sometimes I have <laughs> frosting on my lips or right, I have a, a messy hair or whatever it is. And Karen, as a good second mom, will remind me of that. But you, are, I want to say you are a very good interview. Yes, yeah, she is very um, yes. For being as young as you are. I mean, we have PhDs on here that are not this way. Um, and I'm not going to name them on air. I can write them down for you. No. Um, but just to note that, yeah. you know, that, that'd be a great show. Like the, the sister, mother, you would appreciate this. Kind of like yeah. the, the visible fruit oh, of yes. being interiorly free. Yes. Um, so we don't have to talk about that now. Because what I want to get to before we head to another break is, Mother Kiara, if you could share with us. What do you think the place of, uh, right, so whatever name we want to qualify it as traditional, certainly Catholic, um, Maria's method that now you have fully lived and you're bringing mm-hmm. to these young people and families in Mandan, North Dakota, at Christ the King, uh, do you think it has a relevant place and, and, you know, what is after your heart there and what do you tell families who are considering it? What do you tell families who are in your, you know, what is what is the importance? Share with us maybe two, three, of why it's so important for 2024 in the world and the church. Yes, well, there's a lot of reasons I think why Montessori education is um, is relevant for today's world. You know, we touched on earlier. <coughs> pardon me. Um, you know that that the Catholic roots of Montessori education are really imbued in her whole entire method. So no matter what age the child is, uh, we at Christ the King even have an infant community. So from birth until three, all the way up until sixth grade. And no matter what age the child is, we can be confident that Maria's method is is being fully lived, uh, if it's being fully taught in a Catholic Montessori environment. And so I think what if we look at Maria's method, she she really has some beautiful elements that we can draw from. She talks about Trinity as a small T, and she talks about the prepared adults, the prepared environment, and then the child. And so going into this, we talked before the break uh, about how the prepared adult is so important that we, <coughs> as adults, need to uh, properly perform um, in the sense that we need to go get uh, our, our proper education in the Montessori method so that we can really be fully present to the child. This prepared environment, of course, is another aspect of Montessori education that meets the needs of the child at every single developmental level because she was so adamant about giving the child what he or she needs at the, m- at the proper developmental stage. And so we as we as guys need to prepare this environment properly for the children. And this is another aspect of Montessori education that I think uh, is very, very relevant for today's world. Mother, we're going to go to a, a very short break. We're speaking with Mother Kiara Therese, founders of the Servants of the Children of Light, and uh, Sister Lucia Rose, uh, novitiate uh, novice in the, in the uh, order. Uh, a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Searching for more great Catholic content? Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com. Find Catholic news you can trust, information about events coming up in the local area, and the latest on what's happening at the RPR Network. And don't forget that you can listen to any of our stations around the clock from anywhere in the world. Need prayers for someone or something in your life? You can submit those through our online form for the entire family to pray for. Real Presence Radio, your family of faith and hope. Online at realpresenceradio.com. This is Father Anthony Craig from the Diocese of Duluth. Being a priest is a great joy in my life, and I love especially the celebration of Holy Mass, where there is the sacrifice of Jesus once again displayed before us, that we are informed by it, and it changes our life. Over time, the grace of the Lord actually gives us joy. And as a priest, to celebrate that sacrament, the sacrament of the Eucharist, for people and to bring God from the altar down to others and to give them the Eucharist is a great joy in my life. And as I distribute communion, I ask the Lord to bless each of the people that come up to receive the host. And I thank God for the great gift of the priesthood, which gradually came to me. It was not all at once, but over time I realized that the Lord was giving me the desire and ability to be a priest and to be a man in Christ, a man of the church, and a man for others. And he eventually showed me that that was the true joy, that where my deep gladness met the world's great need. And that is the essence of a vocation. As you think about your future, there is one more thing you can do. Write or update your will and estate plan. If you pass away without a plan, all you have worked for in life, both financially and emotionally, will be decided and divided by someone you may have never met before. We have some tools to help you in your planning. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call Mike at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Real Presence Live. Father Holkalter, pastor of the Church of St. Anne, along with Karen Selensky. It's been so good. It's been so good. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to believe we're, that we are at our last half hour. I, I knew it was going to go fast. Yes. If there are religious sisters in <laughs> my uh, uh, spatial view, it's um, I just, sisters, you need to know I'm praying for you, and a lot of people are. Thank you, Father. And for an increase in vocations. Thank you. I, I just, yeah, it's been, so, they were so significant in my uh, final two years of seminary. <laughs> And uh, they were so significant in me uh, saying yes joyfully to celibacy and um, in my first years of priesthood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what I would have done with a couple of particular religious orders and what God did through them. So, mm-hmm. And he does it now just like a little ways. He said, he said yeah. little happenings. Mother Chiara, mm-hmm. I think that's so true. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so many people look right for... Um, kind of the big mountaintop fireworks display that we have one time a year at the 4th of July rather than <laughs> the ordinary moments of, mm-hmm. of, of a prepared meal every day, a warm meal. I think that's what the Lord wants to give us more often. Mm-hmm. And we, um, we overlook it because we want something else. So Mother, Mother Chiari, we were sharing before the small short break, mm-hmm. uh, lowercase trinity, um, the preparation of the environment of the adult and then of the student that was um, really... Uh, probably the essential principle of Montessori's method? Correct, yes. Um, 
I want to ask a really practical question. It's kind of a one-line answer. For the person today that's listening, and they're going to ask, I want to know, Montessori, what would be a very baseline book they could read? Well, there are a number of books that are really excellent. So if you are wanting to know something more about her method, I would suggest ordering everything from AMI USA, that's the Association Montessori International, because it actually keeps her Catholic roots in her writings. If you were to order books off Amazon, oftentimes they have, the translation has pulled her Catholic roots out. So a really good one is The London Lectures. That, that would be a really great book to begin with. There is also... Um, a really good book just about the life of Maria Montessori. It was written by a man, E.M. Standing, and I believe it's called Maria Montessori, Her Life and Work. Uh, oftentimes, you might be recommended The Absorbent Mind. Uh, that is uh, like a little warning to your listeners. <laughs> that book is very heavy, and it wasn't really meant to be uh, like a read. It was more meant to be a research type of book because uh, she puts they put together various lectures that she had given so but the London lectures is very well written it talks about very very um, specific aspects of her method so the secret of childhood is another good one mm. now M mother Kiara you have religious your priests and lay men and women involved in your school yes and so tell us let's let can we talk about um, if it's okay with you sure. the concrete of Christ the King how many um, classrooms, atriums you would have? Mm -hmm. um, talk to us about the environments, right? The ages of the children. Yes, great. So about eight years ago, we began with children's houses. So that would be... Houses. Yes, children's house. Yes. So Maria Montessori would call them uh, Casa dei Bambini. So the house of the child in Italian. And so this was ages three to six or two and a half to six. Uh, so we began at the beginning <laughs> with the littlest. We had had uh, the atrium or the religious Montessori room the year prior. But Father Schneider tells the story very beautifully. He's a priest here in the Diocese of Bismarck. Um, his own discernment and Montessori education, we could really say, saved Christ the King school. It was uh, near closing. And so uh, through the prayer, like the adamant prayer of, of Father Schneider, we began our, our journey, you could say, in the Montessori method. So opening the children's house, it was a, a large success for us. We had a bit of turnover at the beginning because of children, because you could, you know, it was brand new. Parents didn't know what to expect. But as the years went on, the children... Um, began to ask, you know, what, what's next? And so we opened a lower elementary room, which would be grades one, two, and three in traditional school. And that was also very beautiful to watch the children grow in this freedom and independence, which Montessori, of course, um, the method of Montessori is very, is very beautiful in the sense that it honors the child in a way that I think in today's society, um, the child is sometimes forgotten for the gift that they really are. And they have this unique way of being that we as adults have to honor. And so Montessori method allows for this. After we opened um, the lower elementary environment, that was stable at Christ the King Catholic Montessori School in Mandan, we began the upper elementary, so grades four, five, and six. And Father Schneider himself, uh, with the bishop's permission, took on this um, this task. <laughs> so because the children really wanted it, you know. Uh, recently, last year, we opened up um, an infant community, so children ages zero to three. So, And that's actually my real love because that's what I'm trained in. So um, I love I love the littles. <laughs> so zero to zero to ten, zero to eleven, and zero ages, to twelve. Right? Yeah, yeah, twelve with yep. sixth graders. Mm -hmm. 
Mother, we need to. We'll go to a break here in in, in two or three minutes if if we could get that prepared. Karen, it, it, it's so Beautiful good. Story, yes. It's yeah. it's so good. Yeah. And some um, people don't know about it. Yes. I think that's the other thing. It's a kind of that little secret that you know needs the word needs to get out. Yes. Um, you know, with in many ways. Yeah. Um, so. Y- your school's full. It is in the waiting list. People will put their child on the waiting list while they're still in the womb, Father. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's yeah. beautiful. It is yes. beautiful. People beautiful. recognize the gift that this is for the church as a whole. You know, it's just not for our tiny little town. It's a gift for the church and the world. It is. Mm-hmm. I, uh, we both will pray, and, and I ask all of our listeners to pray for the servants of the Children of Light. And if you want names, Mother Kira Therese and Sister Lucia Rose. It's been a delight. Uh, it's been so delightful. We will have you back. Uh, there's a lot to unpack here mm-hmm. in terms of Montessori, her life. Uh, I'm glad you wrote those down, Sister Lucia, because I will need to polish up for a good interview, a hearty interview. Um, so thank you so much, sisters, for your presence and for your vocation, saying yes to the Lord. Um, and and maybe it might be good just in terms of a, a good practical resource. Mother Chiara, uh, people want to know. You have a website. We do, yep, just servantsofthechildrenoflight.org, so you can find all of our information there, various aspects of our charism and all of that. So God bless your work, Mother. Thank mm-hmm. you. And to you, Sister. If Can we go to break now? Uh, could we do that now, and then we'll come back with our next interview? Sure. How's Let's that do sound? That. that sounds like a plan. All right, we'll be right back. Father Holcalter uh, co-hosting with Karen Selensky and the conversion of St. Paul, a great man. He's praying for us, certainly. And uh, for all of us, we'll be right back, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, with Gerald Vetter, president of the Light of Christ Catholic School System. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Father Anthony Craig from the Diocese of Duluth. I really want to thank my parents today for giving me the faith of Jesus Christ and teaching me the ways of prayer, praying over us uh, when we were sick, showing us uh, self-sacrifice. My father actually was a deacon, a permanent deacon in the church, and he would bring us along as kids, because there were six of us kids, and he would bring us along to hospital visits or to work in the food shelf and doing all these various things for people in the community. And I learned ways of serving others through that, through watching my dad. And then my mom, she also was very self-sacrificial of herself. She wore the same pair of tennis shoes for about 10 years to show us that she didn't care about herself as much as the rest of us. And we got new shoes for every school year. We had all of what we needed and most of what we wanted. And the the Lord really provided a, a great example in my parents to show me the way to really Christian servitude and prepared me for the priesthood. Do you know that your prayers today can still aid in the salvation of someone who died years ago? I'm Father Chris Alar. God is outside of time, and since He is all-knowing and all-powerful, He knows every prayer you will ever make and has the power to apply those graces to any point in time, past, present, or future. So if you have lost anyone, especially to suicide, and think that they are eternally lost, you can still help them. God can take your prayers from today and give someone grace at the time of their judgment because he forever knew that you would make that prayer and he wants you to help them accept his offer of salvation. So there is still hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com 
so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. Let us run to Mary and as her little children cast ourselves in her arms with a perfect confidence. St. Francis de Sales. Join together with families across the local area for the Rosary, nightly here on Real Presence Radio. On Wednesday through Monday nights, tune in at 8 p.m. Central and on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Central. Gather the whole family together and pray this powerful prayer with us. Join us for the Rosary, Wednesday through Monday at 8 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Central here on the RPR Network. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. I'm Karen Selensky along with Father Craig Holcalter, and we are here at St. Anne's Catholic Parish in Bismarck, North Dakota. We've had a beautiful morning. Um, it's went way too fast. We have wonderful guests. 